We're going to talk about some good news this morning. I hope you're ready for good news. We need it in our world day in, day out. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God this morning. The kingdom of God is the good news that God is the creator. That he made all things to live under his rule and blessing. And though we find in in the first uh, chapters of Genesis that humanity has rebelled against his loving rule, we have left his blessing, rejected his rule. There is one who can reconcile us to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been working our way through Mark's gospel and seeing that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the one whom God had promised would come and deliver a people, bring them to himself under his rule again, experiencing his blessing blessing of his presence and his sanctifying power until we come to live and to worship him again in in a new heavens and a new earth. This is good news. And yet we find in, in the gospel accounts when Jesus came, the king arrived. Most of his own people did not recognize him as the Lord God. They expected something a little bit different than what Jesus talked about when he talks about the kingdom. We're going to go on and see he talks about crosses. He talks about being a servant. And he lays down even his own life to redeem his people. In our passage this morning, when Jesus speaks about his kingdom, he talks about farming. He gives us two parables from the world of a farmer. And together they teach us what we should expect the kingdom of God to be like. How will the kingdom of God, His sovereign rule and blessing, advance in this world? We find that the kingdom of God does not advance like we would expect, perhaps does not operate by our standards of success or of power and of glory. The kingdom of God grows His way. Growth in the kingdom of God comes through His Word and His work in the hearts of mankind. And at times it may seem hidden, out of sight, Perhaps small, 
or insignificant. The kingdom of God is in his hands. The kingdom of God does continue to advance and to grow in this world. Jesus Christ is victorious. His word is the power to transform people who love darkness, to make them a people who are conformed to his image. So let me just segue here before we look into the text. Jesus' teachings here on the kingdom of God lead us to ask tough questions. And one of the big questions that we have to ask ourselves is this. Can I trust God's ways and God's results? Can I trust him when perhaps to my ideas or to my vision, I don't see the kingdom of God advancing. I don't see the king on his throne today. Can I trust him? Do I believe what he is going to teach us, that there is a harvest day coming? And does my life reflect faith then in the word of God and his ability to save. I'll leave you with these questions. Let's listen to Jesus' words in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 32. This is our text for the morning. Mark chapter 4, beginning of verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and it grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. For some reason, I didn't put the last two verses on my page here, but it says that Jesus continued to teach in parables and he would explain everything to his disciples afterwards. This first parable compares the kingdom of God to a farmer sowing seed. And then he goes about his daily routine. He is, 
He sleeps at night and he rises up in the day. And as the seed grows, he waits and he is ready for the harvest to come. So we have the, the seed, which if you will remember just a, a couple of weeks back, we already know from Jesus that the seed is the word of God. This is what Jesus said when he spoke about the, the sower sowing seed among the soils. And he talks about the response of people to the word of God. He says in Mark chapter 4 verse 14, the seed is the word of God. Listen to what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 to 25. Since you have been born again. Now Jesus taught us that unless a man be born again, he shall not enter into the kingdom of God. So how do we be born again? Since you've been born again, how? Peter says, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is the Apostle Peter who was there to hear all of Jesus' parables, I wonder if he was thinking about some of these things that Jesus taught. He's talking about the word of God, which is able to regenerate us by the spirit of God. This word that remains forever. If we turn back to our parable in Mark chapter 4, we see that it is the seed, the unfading word of God, that is the means by which the kingdom of God grows and advances. Just as there is no harvest without the sowing of seed, so there is no harvest in the kingdom of God apart from his word. Do we really believe that? That it is through the word of God, the, the truth, that the kingdom of God advances and goes out in our world today. It seems to me that many times we are tempted to want to add to the word of God. Let's make the truth a little bit more palatable, a little more culturally acceptable, perhaps. But it's the word of God. It's what he has said, our maker, our creator, our Lord and God. That counts. Now, when Jesus says in Mark 4, verse 27, that the farmer does not know how it grows, 
He's making it very plain that the farmer is not the cause of the growth. He does not make the seed grow. For the seed itself, the word of God, holds within it the ability to grow by the work of God. So also, the earth here is said to produce by itself. Not of some external cause that's producing this, but it is the seed at work in the soil. God's kingdom grows God's way. Meaning that it grows through his word. And it's his work. This is paralleled in the second parable, the parable of the mustard seed. Again, we have a seed, the word of God. And he said, verse 30, with what shall we compare the kingdom of God or well, with what parable will we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Notice that the life again is in the seed. Though it seems small here in this passage, they knew that it had the capacity to grow to a, a great uh, shrub, I guess, a small tree. It has the capacity within its DNA. God programmed that seed to be able to, to produce something dramatically greater. And it's beyond our ability to make something so complex out of something so small. And yet, like a seed that grows to create something beautiful, God's word affects people in real ways to bring about real and lasting change. Again, do we believe that? That God is able to work in such a way in a person's heart, through his word, the spirit of God working perhaps within uh, the speaker or a person sharing the gospel with their friend, giving a Bible, that God's word is able to produce a great harvest. far greater than we could ever attempt on our own. But having said that, having, I hope, seen the power of God at work in His Word, the work of God is often hidden. It may seem 
small or insignificant. Just as the farmer cannot see the growth happening below the surface or within the genetic makeup of the plant that grows up. So in the kingdom of God, we can't always see the work that God is doing in a person's heart when we proclaim his word to others. One time some Pharisees asked Jesus, In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 20 to 21, they asked when the kingdom of God would come. And Jesus answered them, and he said, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. It's not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Notice he says the kingdom is here because why? Because who is standing right there? Who did the Pharisees ask that question of? Their king, their Messiah. It was right there, but they could not see it. And so it may be that we... And our human ways of thinking cannot see the work that God is doing right in front of us. Jesus goes on to speak in that same passage, Luke 17, of his return. He says, they'll say the, you can't say the same thing then. Look, there he is. Because when he comes, it will be very clear to all. There will be no hiddenness then. Both then and now, we may not see the kingdom of God in observable ways. We can miss it. I hope that is a bit of a a warning checklight in our lives to, to think about how we expect God to work? Do we see what he is doing in the lives of those around us? Because the kingdom of God is, according to Jesus, continuing to grow. It's not done and over with. If we turn then to the second parable, we can see that the surprising hiddenness of God's work is paralleled in verse 31 with the surprising smallness of the beginning of God's work. And I say the beginnings because the word of God does grow and begin to produce fruit in our lives. And we as the church of God ought to begin to display the light and to be salt. It may begin in small and insignificant ways from our perspective. Remember, this is the word of God and his work. Verse 31 says, it is like the kingdom of God, 
is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up. Jesus' point here, uh, he picks at the mustard seed because it was proverbial, the, the, proverbially the smallest uh, seed that they would have planted in their gardens and orchards. Even the smallest of seeds like a mustard seed is able to produce a harvest. And so what was at one point hidden, what was at one point small, will grow by the power of God into something glorious and fruitful. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, we saw that the, the good news, the light, was not meant to be hidden. And so what begins as a small seed has the capacity, by the power of God, to grow. To transform into something that is, ultimately, we'll see a blessing to the nations. And so it is very important that we do not judge the advance of the kingdom of God by human standards. Look at the church of North America and I would say it's dead. I don't mean to be pessimistic, but who's at work? Whose word is still going forth? God is still looking at and working within people's hearts. And he has called us, whether it's in season or out of season, to be a part of that kingdom work of proclaiming him as king and savior to all peoples. So from the smallest of beginnings, his work is able to change people. We've talked a little bit about the means of growth that God works in His Word and in the hearts of men and women. Talked a little bit about the process of that growth. It may be hidden. Begins in, in a small way. But Jesus very clearly ends in both parables with an emphasis on the results. What comes of the work of the word of, of God in the hearts of the people of this world? The result is a harvest. The result is the success of the kingdom of God. Do you realize that there is a harvest coming? Verse 29. When the grain is ripe. See, it's been growing. The farmer can see it growing. 
might uh, start small, but the, the kingdom of God is growing. And then when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So let me ask you a question. Why do we plant gardens every year? You like eating. Good. Okay. We plant because we expect, I hope, a harvest. It's why we bother planting and weeding and watering. It's why in, in this cruel Alberta weather that is actually very nice for growing for most of the year, um, we, we weather things like we, the hail and the heat and the frost. Why? Because a harvest is coming. That's why we bother. That's why we don't give up. That's why we can, we can wait. When we uh, don't control the weather and we watch and we can see little bits of growth and some of the plants grow really fast and we can see that. Others aren't growing like we want them to. But we keep going. And so it is with God's Kingdom. We work and we wait because we trust that his kingdom will burst into full bloom. That harvest will come. And we want to be, be ready like that farmer to reap the harvest and to see the word of God bear fruit in the lives of those around us. In a similar way, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to what happens to a mustard seed as it grows from a tiny seed to a, a shrub, basically a small tree, about six to ten feet tall. It says in, uh, Jesus says in verse 32 of Mark chapter 4, Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants. And puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Not only does the tree grow, the birds also nest in its branches. Hmm? <laughs> On the ground underneath it. In its shade. This is Old Testament imagery from the prophets. Ezekiel and Daniel use this imagery to describe nations like the birds experiencing rest and blessing under the rule and authority and protection of another nation. In the book of Daniel, the vision that Nebuchadnezzar receives is one of, he's the tree, and all the nations are experiencing are under his rule and they're uh, experiencing the benefits of Babylon. Now in that vision, the tree is cut down. But here, Jesus speaks of his kingdom as one that will be a blessing to the nation. 
just as God had promised through the seed of Abraham, all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. That's the scope that we're given of the kingdom of God, that it encompasses far more than our little group here, a little group there. A multitude of peoples of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Worshiping God. Living under the blessing of His reign. And that kingdom work, that advancement of the kingdom of God continues today. What should these things change in our lives? What should this knowledge change about our view of God and His kingdom? Well, I would suggest a couple of things, though I probably could go on. I feel like I've been thinking about this too long. It's been like three or four weeks. And when you think about something that long, you get all kinds of thoughts. I'll simplify it down to a couple of things. First of all, the kingdom of God and its advancement in our world begins with the word of God. It begins with the truth of God, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done, that he is the king, that he died to save us, that he's risen again. And he calls us to believe in him and to to worship him only. Nothing else, nothing less than the truth, nothing less than the word of God will do. So let's not settle for anything less. One of the biggest, most foundational issues is how do we view the Bible? Do we really believe that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is what changes people, the truth changes people, and in fact, the Word of God is what defines even what is true? The Word of God defines how we should enter into the kingdom of God and and live. In his kingdom. Jesus isn't pulling punches here. He wants his disciples again and again to understand that the word of God is what affects the advancement of the kingdom. So let's sow the seed. And wait for the harvest and see what God might do. In our world. God has chosen to use the foolishness of preaching about the cross, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, to bring salvation to those who believe. We shouldn't depart from the Word of God. Everything we do 
as believers is connected to how we respond to God. How we respond to His revelation to us of Himself. Are we willing to trust God? To do what He says in every area of our life? Do we believe that God's Word is more than able to fit us for the battle, prepare us for harvest? To bring others to the knowledge of their Lord and Savior. Kingdom of God begins with the Word of God. So let's not settle for anything less. Now we're a small church. Okay? We might be tempted to think that God's Word has failed. I hope that you're not in a place like that. But I can understand and relate to that. I've felt that at times. The seed just isn't bearing fruit. Or at least not the fruit we'd like it to. Well, these parables are here to remind us of the truth. That there is hope that God continues to work in our world that His Word has not failed. His kingdom is not going to fade away like this world. Farmer may not know everything about how the seed grows or may not be able to control all the factors of the growth of his crop. But the seed, the word of God, is able to produce growth. So let me encourage you to be patient and to be faithful to what God has called you to. Continue to use the gifts that He's given you. And don't give up. The Sovereign King has set His Spirit upon His people and He has given us His Word so that we can live with hope. We have to give up Control of the results. Leave the results in His hands because it is His Word that will produce a harvest. It's His work, the work of His Spirit 
that will do this? Do we trust God that He knows what He's doing? His kingdom is an unshakable kingdom, that His word continues to transform people, delivering them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. God is able. His kingdom will grow until He returns. So don't give up. Trust in Him. Let me close with the words of the Apostle James. James chapter 5, verses 7 to 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. The coming of the Lord is at hand.